0: Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors, your tax depreciation experts. Today, we have a very, very special and highly credentialed author in the mix. We're talking to Max Phelps. Now, he's the founder of Golden Egg Home Loans and Multiple best-selling author and today we're talking about some of the concepts from his book Spending Fast and Slow and the topic is how do we slow down our spending in 2024. Now as property investors of course we need to look attractive to a bank and many of us may be looking to replace our income with the passive income from a property portfolio but Max speaks to us about some key concepts that can really get in the way of achieving what we're trying to do there. He gives us some great insights and some tips about how to regain control of our spending and share some really interesting data on the state of financial literacy and spending in Australia. It's an awesome interview that will also include a link to get a copy of his book for free. It's an amazing interview and I learned personally a lot from Max and I'm
1: sure you will as well. Here's Max. Max Phelps, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Mike, thanks so much for having me. I'm absolutely chuffed to bits to be on talking to you.
0: Well, that's very kind of you to say. I've been a fan of yours for, for quite some time and uh, your publisher actually made the connection and it sort of seems weird because we've been communicating outside oh, wow. of that and it took a professional to actually make this happen, <laughs> yeah. uh, which we could have easily done ourselves. But I'm really looking forward to this interview because I think there's some, some really fundamental things that might at first glance not seem to be about property investing per se, but I think are just inextricable from property investing. And that's our relationship with money, with saving. So the topic of this is how to slow down our spending in 2024. I I wonder if you wouldn't mind starting with you know, the idea that perhaps some people will have in the head is like, okay, here's, here's a guy that's going to tell me that I'm spending too much money and I need to save more and all the funds going to go down the drain. And, you know, like, do I, really, do I really need this or can I just carry on as, as I'm going because, you know, I'm having a great time.
1: Yeah, so and I and I have this conversation with people all the time. And what we find is that when people say, but I love my life. And I say, okay, that's interesting. Which bits of it do you love? And they'll say, oh, well, I love going, going out with friends. And I love going to the movies. And I love traveling. And I love this. I said, brilliant. How about we focus the money on that stuff, and preparing for your future so that you can buy investment properties, pay them off, do whatever you need but reduce the amount of money that you've got available to squander on the other stuff that you do but you don't value so for example it's things like the the, the soft drinks it's the uber eats it's the um the the clothes that we don't necessarily need it's the gadgets that are all almost out of date before we before we get them you know the things that we buy that end up you know in the garage or in a, in under the bed somewhere until we eventually think that we need to sell them that's the stuff that's not really what we value and Mm. there's of studies showing that we don't really value most of that stuff anyway so how can we focus that stuff but at the end of the day if you don't have any goals to improve your life and get ahead well then just spend every cent you've got and as long as you can work until you die you'll be fine Mm,
0: yeah and that's and, and that's a nice little way to finish because people are kind of thinking okay yeah it's my money i want to spend it but then it's like oh there will be consequences <laughs> down the track and they don't sound that that groovy but how, how would you rate our relationship with money and spending as a society today
1: oh we're awful i mean we're terrible we're, we, you know australia at the moment is spending 98.9 percent of our income we're saving 1.1 percent as and that's an average so right. you can imagine if that's the average and there's some people are doing a brilliant job and saving, you know, more than 20% of their income, then obviously there's going to be some people that are spending way more than they're earning. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's quite a common thing. Um, but, it, you know, and, and I've, I've been through this myself. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a you know family of nine kids, no money. You, you preserve money, you don't spend it. You, you know, I, I was raised and trained to be a tight ass and yes. still am today. But my wife is just like everyone else. She loves to buy stuff and uh, you know have nice things and do whatever, and and but on average that mean that just means that we're normal and that meant that we just spent everything we earn.
0: Mm. And
1: so for the first eleven years, uh, my income tripled in that eleven years. Yeah, well, wow. and our savings went absolutely nowhere. Right. So um,
0: I, I often think about my own um, sort of career trajectory, and I think it can almost be kind of correlated to the bottles of wine that I was drinking. (laughs) I started out at the $12 price range, right? And then, you know, a few years into the career, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm an $18 man now. And I don't know, maybe I'm sitting sort of, you know, in that sort of 24 to 28 as my daily quaffable. Sounds like I'm
1: an alcoholic. I don't drink (laughs) daily. But is
0: that... Like is that something that you just it's think so is
1: normal. Right. And it's we, we always aspire for that little bit better and that little bit more. And there's always someone willing to promote it to us and advertise it to to want to take that money off us. And we do it with cars, we do it with homes, we do it with with clothes. Is that we just want that little bit better? Mm. Um, you know, this I've got a nice t-shirt on with the moment I love it, was a gift, but otherwise my t-shirt of choice is a is a four dollar. Kmart Onco t shirt. Mm. I have millions of dollars worth of property and hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, but it's just a bloody t shirt for Christ's
0: yeah.
1: sake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how is having some fancy ass logo on it helping me to, um, you know, w- with my life? It doesn't make me happier. Um, and it's interesting when we look at happiness and money, people don't really understand the things that make them happy you sort of hope that what you're doing, you think overall, I'm, I'm satisfied with my life. There mm. must be some of the things that I'm doing that's doing that. But the truth is, if you actually get down with laser focus, there's very, very specific things that are making you happier and other things you're spending money on that are not actually making you any happier at all. Mm.
0: I think the connection to to f- between money and happiness is an interesting one because uh, I'm not a, a um, biochemist, but I'm assuming that, you know, there's a serotonin release when you go and buy that Louis Vuitton bag or that- yeah, a little uh, bit of dopamine. And, dopamine. And
1: it, yeah, dopamine. But here's the crazy thing. So I, I, yeah, without going too far ahead kind of thing is that imagine this, for example, something like a Louis Vuitton bag. Let's take that as an example. and And let's say one of us or our partners were dead into this Louis Vuitton bag. If they went and bought it, they get an immediate boost. They feel amazing. I've got this bag. It's fantastic. I love it. Now that dies very quickly mm. and very quickly. It's just the bag they've got. It's the bag they use. And they, they you know, a, a few friends ask them about it and they love talking about it and that'll make them feel good for a while. And then after a while, their friends all know about their bag. They know they've got the bag and it's just a thing that they've got. Mm. So now it's not as, it's a bit sort of stale and old. And maybe what we need now is, a, is you know, is, a, is the Gucci one or, or, or another one that's, a, you know, that's a, a, a better version. So we get this hit, but here's the crazy thing. Uh, my wife's been working. We, we changed fundamentally how we manage money 20 years ago now, and that's what a lot of the book is about, and I've been coaching it ever since. But when we changed, my wife has an amount of money that comes in on the first of every month that she can just blow on whatever she wants. Okay? Yeah. So if she wants a Louis Vuitton bag and she thinks there's a really great one, she, will, she doesn't have the money for it today, knows there's money coming on the first, so she will add it to the list. Right. Now, guess what happens with dopamine levels when you write that thing on your list? They spike almost identically to if she'd actually bought the item. Wow. So
0: um, <laughs> I haven't been to a stationery shop for a while, but I'm guessing a pen and paper is a
1: lot cheaper than a Louis Vuitton bag. Exactly right. But And, and she's already got a phone, so she's got, got a phone list of like the things right. that she wants. So, so whenever, it might not be a Louis Vuitton bag, but whenever she sees something she wants, it goes on the list. Yep. And here's the crazy thing. When the money comes in for the month, she then has to look at the list and makes a choice. Mm-hmm. Of course, the most important things are then the things that have stayed on the list for more than you know a few days or whatever. So it wasn't just an impulse purchase. It's now a considered purchase. And now it's a comparable purchase versus other things. And if actually this month there's a birthday coming up for someone else that she knows she really wants to get them a lovely gift, that she might downplay a lot of those things on the list and buy very few of them. But then she roll them forward to next the, the list for next month. They just stay on the list till next month. And yeah. after a while, some things just stay on the list and always get relegated. Stay on the list and get relegated. Stay on the list, and eventually it's like, yeah, don't really need that, do I? <laughs> and it's a hell of a lot cheaper and easier to cross something off a list than it is to pull it out from the back of the garage or under the sofa, um, and uh, and and go and sell it on the, on Facebook Marketplace or eBay. Mm, for a, a third of its value it. or what have you yeah so so, it, so no. you, you grew up
0: as a self-confessed
1: tired ass and your wife oh, that's, you know, that's out of necessity i'm one of nine kids there was no money we, there we you wasn't go. A person of oh, I, I just chose to be a knight no, there was no money we didn't have money i got hand me down but that sort of permeated your
0: adult life, I, I, at least for a while, right? You talked about your salary tri- tripling and you spent money, but you were still, you know, if you grow up in that mindset, you have a different relationship with money because it's, you know, Correct. it's pretty hard to get. So there's perhaps a value differential. I'm just wondering for, um, for people that perhaps are a little bit like that and have, say, a partner. Now, you've been, you, you know, your wife, by comparison, is is normal, but she's probably not a, a spendthrift.
1: But... Oh, no, she is. she's a shopaholic. Right, she's there you go. Certifiable so, shopaholic. So um,
0: you've been able to to sort of moderate her behaviours and stay married. I, yes, exactly.
1: Because right. wonder... we eliminated the arguments because every single month the credit card bill would come in and there would be an argument you spend right. that much on what? Because for me, everything was a problem. And for yeah. her, oh, it's fine. And, and she then got to, to, you know, we, this is back in the day where it was more common to take cash and carry cash around for, for things. And so she would put most stuff on the credit card, but then also draw some cash. Mm-hmm. So what she would do is she'd go and get a haircut for maybe $300 and say, hey, listen, can you put $150 on the card and I'll give you $150 in cash? I'd see the credit card and go, you spent 150 bucks on a haircut. She said, $150 is quite cheap. Some haircuts are $300 <laughs> knowing full well, that she just literally hidden that from me to try and lessen the argument. Yeah. And it's still, you know, but, but every single month and, you know, you can't, when we did that for 11 years, you know, we right. got the credit card bill paid off in full at the end of every month. We never went behind because you know I was made sure we, we were staying on top of things, but, But I've now read all the psychological studies on this. And I don't know if you you know this or not, but when you read the studies is that when people use a credit card on average, on average, they spend 25% more Mm. than when people use their their own money or cash. Mm.
0: Now that is just not a happy accident or or an unhappy accident that that's just what the world is like. I I'm, sceptical that this isn't a manufactured thing right because there are beneficiaries in expenditure like afterpay yeah. is not a humanitarian organization <laughs> and we shouldn't just pick on them because they, they, they are no different to a credit card right they're just in the press as the bad guy but it's just a service and, and, and we and that, elect to use that, it right they're a
1: less bad buy that guy than a credit card right statistically so so people tend to spend more when they've got access to afterpay but there's a concept in psychology they call the pain of paying So back in the day when we had cash and you handed over some of your cash to someone else and you got something in return, you felt the pain of losing that money because you had less and they had some of your money and you had the pain of paying. Credit cards take away that pain of paying because it's just like, oh yeah, tap, 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 tap. And at the end of the month, you get this conglomerated bill that you can't really attribute to any one thing. Mm. Afterpay, on the other hand, you can attribute to that one thing. And so when you're paying your afterpay bill, You actually get the pain of of paying for that thing, and you know that it was that thing that you bought. You know the Louis Vuitton bag or whatever it was, and so that pain is now associated with that item in a way Mm. that it's not with credit cards. So I'm not an advocate of afterpay, but it's actually lesser of the evil versus credit cards because a lot of people think, "Oh, but I pay my credit card off and before I'm fine." It's Mm. like, oh oh how cute you're <laughs> spending the same don't you? <laughs> That's... Did, do you as soon as you ask them and you start to say you know really so you're you're telling me that if you had an, a bank account in it and you were down to your last 20 dollars, you would go and just tap it one more time get a soft drink buy Uber Eats, and everything else when there's only 20 bucks left in the same way that you would with a credit card when you've got a, a, a notional spending amount for the month of you know four grand or whatever that figure is are you telling me you're not going to tap the credit card one more time and get whatever you need Mm. where it's twenty dollars left you go oh there's only twenty dollars left maybe if i buy something for ten dollars here and i keep five dollars for that and i know i'm going to want five dollars for my coffee tomorrow our brains work in our favor when we're trying to manage a limited amount of resource and credit cards never make us do that ever Mm. it's
0: interesting how Certain people have different relationships with money. I, I have a mate that would go to, say, a casino, right? And let's say he he said, all right, I'm going to go $100. And to me, it's kind of like dinner and show. I'm happy to sort of lose it for the entertainment and the thrill of an upside. Now, let's say he puts down a bet and he wins $100. Um... I, I'm of the sort of view that like, oh, okay, well, I only wanted like 100 on the line, so I'm going to put that in my pocket and I'll play with the rest. But he was kind of like, well, I came in with with, you know, that's free money i didn't have that before so i just get to play with that now but i'm like well no like it's yours it's a bit like those those tv shows where it's like do you want to gamble the 50 grand it's like would you gamble fifty thousand dollars of your own money from your pocket probably not but but you can put this in your pocket so what yeah. is the difference? What, uh, explain yeah, so to me the psychology.
1: psychology. Yeah, well, it's interesting because we're, we're twice, a, twice as averse to risks as we are to gains. So, so when, you are, when you put things in the terms of winning, people mm-hmm. get excited about winning. Yeah. But when you say, but you might lose, we then go, oh, what, lose? Hang on, no. And they've yes. done, they, I, I, without going into the, the specifics of it, whenever they frame a bet, in the in the form of you're either going to lose this much or you're going to break even versus you're going to gain this much or or break even even, people will avoid the loss and go for the go for the gain, mm. the win. Yeah. And when someone's got a gamble, my mother, my mum used to always say, only gamble what you can afford to lose. Mm. Um, but but when, I know when when I talk to someone, the language they use if they've got a problem with gambling is they will talk about the win. When you talk about I was going to spend a $100, then to me, you don't have a problem with gambling. That's just what you chose to do with your money that night. Whereas when someone says, oh, well, the other night, there was this guy that won this da-da-da, and and a few weeks ago, I was at this thing and I won this. And when they talk only about the win, what -hmm. they're doing is hiding the pain of the loss Mm -hmm. um, and they're chasing that next win. And that's when we know that they've got a problem with gambling and they're not just well i I thought I'd just blow you know a hundred bucks on the pokies or I thought blow a hundred bucks at the casino because we know you're blowing that money, you know you're walking with a hundred bucks and walking out with nothing yeah um and that's fine that's just a choice
0: yeah gosh it's it's very interesting. We could probably do a a whole other show on that but i I want to try and bring us back to the some some of the concepts that would help us as property investors. So this is a property investing show after all. Um, yeah, and I'm this, a
1: professional investor as well. Of course. And What we were speaking about before is that so many times I hear people say, my goal with property investing is to replace my income with passive income. And I say, you can't do it. It's impossible. Because if you're earning 100 grand this year and you make 10 grand passive income, then... Guess what? Next year you're earning 110 grand, Mm. and if your habit is to spend all of your income, you're going to spend like someone who's earning 110 grand because that's your habit.
0: And now you
1: get 110 grand's worth of income, which means you need to earn 100 grand more than the 10 grand passive you're currently making.
0: Yeah, because otherwise you just end up with like me buying those more expensive bottles of wine and it and it and it happens. It it happened to you who grew up, you know, that's exactly right. Without money and and, you know, one of nine children. So if we are if we are actually in that situation where we're like, okay, well, this is actually my game plan. I want to retire in five, ten, twenty years, and I want my passive income to be X, as that builds, do we have to sort of cordon that off? as an untouchable yes. kind of resource to be able to get our brain
1: ready for that transition? So, so so partly, yes. And and partly I think what we need to do is if we reframe the goal, we we get a much, much better outcome. If you reframe the goal as my goal is to get my passive income higher than my expenses. And that was the goal I set myself, you know, when I was in my late 30s. And by 46, my passive income equaled my expenses. Now, after that, I was able to ratchet my expenses up because my passive income was growing. Um, before that, we saw pass- with passive income was something that we, we quarantined away. It was to save up the next deposit. It was to save up the next, um, pay down the debt or, or whatever it was we were doing. But it also then says, well, actually, let's, let me look at my expenses. Because if my expenses for the year are, are 50 grand and I keep them at 50 grand, well, then I'm, I'm getting ahead. But if my expenses grow from 50 grand to 60 grand, well, and my passive income is growing by ten. Well, I'm not getting ahead, am I? Mm.
0: I'm just.
1: I'm still going to have to stay on the treadmill for longer. Mm-hmm. And so, my goal with you know the, the book Spending Fast and Slow was to try and, and and in terms of running my life is if we once we can control our expenses, we can then choose to increase our expenses when we want or decrease them. But the key is control, and most of us don't have a control mechanism. Because most of us, all the income goes into one pot. The worst for me is when when I hear someone say, oh, you put all your income in the offset account, put everything on the credit card, and then you'll get ahead. It's like, that is such bullshit. That (laughs) will never, ever happen. Because you're now not in control of your spending because you're now at the mercy of everything you can think of, anything that anyone can market to you, any thought, any whim just goes on the credit card and that's it. So you don't have any control over spending now. And people mm. say, I can look back. Yeah, you can look back. I don't like to look back. I like to know today. Should I buy it today? Yes or no? Yeah. Without looking back. Without, I don't do any. We do no analysis of our money. None. Mm. My wife, my mother, I do a budget once every five years. Yeah, right. I,
0: I want to ask you about how we get control, but I just want to make the comment that my mother's a psychologist and I think that psychology really sort of, sprung up to help people right but i can assure you that the most money to be made is is in convincing people to spend for things that you know they they don't really need and so what what hope have we got as you know as humans yeah people talk about that sort of monkey brain that sometimes takes over and you know we we still have that when we get you know rationally angry and those sorts of things um and and that monkey brain seems to be directly tapped into by all sorts of advertisements on a on a day to day basis. Always
1: have been. If you go, you can go back to the Roman times, and and you can even read Socrates, and you'll see that people get tempted. There's the there's the the peddler at the market with his lovely wares and his snake oil, this and his you know these wonderful things. There's been temptation everywhere forever. But you used to just have a physical amount of money, and you knew that physical amount of money. And when you gave some of it away, you had less, and you knew. Mm. And yes. when everyone did that, so going, and this is only going back for thousands of years up until 50 years ago, people got paid in in, in cash. Mm. And everybody knew that what you did with that cash, if you walked around with that cash on you, it would it would disappear down the pub, down the road, buying whatever. And so what you had to do is take that cash home, hide it in a drawer, hide it in an envelope, hide it under the bed, hide it in a bank mm. where you couldn't touch it because you were not to be trusted with that money. Mm. Once you walk out the door with your $20, $50, $100, you knew that you could do whatever you want with that money, but only with that money. Mm. And if you wanted to spend more, you had to physically go home and get more. Yeah. Credit cards and debit cards have eliminated, that's what we call that friction. So, so it's the, the advertiser's dream is to eliminate friction from the transaction. So you can instantly access. Most people get all their pay landing into a bank account with a debit card access or worse still, a credit card. Mm. That means you have instant access to your entire income, which is the equivalent of 50 years ago of taking all your pay and putting it in your pocket. Mm. And the only classes of people that did that were drunks, gamblers, and idiots. Yeah, right. (laughs) And yet now over 90% of us do precisely that with our money which is we put it all into somewhere we can access and then we seem to be behaving like either drunks gamblers or
0: <laughs> yeah i like that and and try and get a job anywhere today and say well rather than like transferring it to a bank account can i have it in an envelope it's just not it's not right. an option anymore right?
1: right but but one of the biggest but the, the biggest mind uh, uh, blowing exercises we do is to say to people why do you have a debit card linked to the way you get paid? That's stupid. It makes no sense at all. Mm. Why not get paid somewhere where you have no access? Literally Mm. to a completely different bank with no card access, because let's face it, you're not to be trusted with that money. Mm. So why don't we put it somewhere we can't access and then just transfer a little bit somewhere we can access?
0: Well, that I think is a good segue to getting back into control. And I'm Correct. pleased I'm pleased to report that my cat pay goes into a bank account at the same bank, but there's no debit. Now I can transfer like like you that's, wouldn't believe. Right? Probably
1: <laughs> that's the problem with the, you know, even the barefoot investor, we you know, that he did a great job of educating people at separating money, but still said put it all in with the one bank. And mm. that when you have the thought to spend, if you don't have the money there in your account, it takes you 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 can still be standing there at the, the, the register and move money and pay it to avoid the embarrassment of not having the money or just mm. buy it instantly. Mm. And, you know, we've all got phones, you know, we can all access our money.
0: Mm.
1: So yes. so it's the access. Access is one of the most important things, access and visibility. Because even if you go into your bank account, and you go, oh, I want to buy this. I wonder if I've got enough money. You look at your bank account and it says you've got, oh, 10 bucks left, but I've got another account here with two grand in it yeah i kind of do have enough money don't i yeah i got money (laughs) access and visibility i can see it and i can move it whereas if that money was within a completely different bank and you couldn't see it and Mm. we encourage people to you know with the other bank where you get paid take the bloody app off your phone like delete it um you know write the password down so you've actually got to go home find the password so that you can re-enter it to jump online to get the money um because then you can't access it you know when you're down the pub on a friday night Mm.
0: Uh, We'll give that to a friend and say, if I come to you with a life-threatening illness or a desperate need to feed myself and you can see malnutrition, give it to me. Otherwise, don't right. take any bullshit.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, look, I choose to use a... a, a, a personally, I, we use a bank account structure where we use a thing called a cash management account and um, it's not part of the instant transfer system. Right. So On a yeah. Friday night, if I want more money... I can transfer more money on a Friday night. It will arrive yeah. in my bank account Monday. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so if you're thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind another schooner, you're going to wait till Monday morning to have it. And you're
1: like, uh, eh, I'm not that enthusiastic about Monday morning schooners. But but you mentioned using a friend and schooners. And I, and, and I want to draw the analogy is imagine you were, you, 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 there's a friend you go out with regularly and imagine you have to call it a night because you've got a podcast to record in the morning. So you decide to call it a night, but you say you give to your friend your debit card and say, mate, I'm going out, but it was my round next, take my card and I'm going to go home and, and be responsible and have a nice sleep. Would you trust that mate with your card, knowing that he's already had quite a few?
0: I don't know if this says more about my mates than yours, but almost certainly not.
1: Yeah. Now think about, would they trust you with their money? Almost certainly not. <laughs> I mean, I, and, I'd like to think more likely. Why but... you trust you with your money? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so so once you understand, it's like nobody trusts anyone with the money in that context. But then you go, but then why are you trusting you with your money? Why are you giving that version of yourself who's already had, you know, your three, four schooners in? Mm. That person has access to your entire wealth on a banking app.
0: Mm. Really? I think only a drunk person would make that decision, (laughs) to be honest.
1: (laughs) So we make the assumption that, you know, and the same with, you know, my my, my wife loves to spend. She loves to spend money and she can, but she, she, she gets, there's an amount of money that's been agreed upon that works for the family budget. She gets that once a month on the first of the month. I don't care what it gets spent on. I don't see what it gets spent on. She chooses where that, where that goes, but then when it runs out, it's finished. Mm. And you yep. can't get more until next month. Well, actually weekly. So here's a crazy thing. Um, most people manage their money also by pay cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you we know,
0: have we have employees that are that are like kings
1: and queens for a day and then paupers exactly for the right. rest. <laughs> And now here's the crazy thing. And more and more people are getting paid monthly and the average in Australia is paid fortnightly. Mm-hmm. But, but when in psychology studies, if you give one group of people $1,000 and say that's got to last a month and another group of people $250 a week for four weeks, what do you think happens?
0: Well, I, I suspect that the people that are paid more regularly a lower amount are, are, are more responsible with it.
1: Yeah, the people get paid $1,000 the entire group would run out of money after three weeks of the month Mm. and then be stressed as anything for that fourth week because they realize they actually need to eat yeah yeah and here's the other crazy thing the other group that get money every week experience the problem of when you've got no cash left in week one by week four every single one of them at the end of week four had money left over
0: well, I suppose they had four examples of pain and the other one only had one example of pain. So that there's a faster learning
1: curve, right? Exactly right. But and and but the fact is, whenever people we ask people when they get paid monthly, and we know that we did this ourselves, is that people that get paid monthly will always talk about the fourth week and the nightmare five-week month. It's like, oh my God. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and yet there's going to be four or five week months in a year, and mm. and those things are a complete nightmare. And then they'll blame. Um, they'll say, "Oh, well, you know, I had to use a credit card because of whatever." So most monthly people start using a credit card just simply because um, it's a way to manage that, and it will go. The credit card will go up and down, but now they're not managing money anymore. They've mm. just delegated their decision making to the people selling them stuff and the credit card companies.
0: I wanna, I wanna get a couple of tips from you about getting back in control. Obviously, cash management, different different bank to your sort of day-to-day spending debit card. But I, I wouldn't mind asking you the question in and around, um, property investing and, uh, financiers, right? So people want to see, uh, yeah, the banks true. will look at your finance, right, and right. they'll make a decision on how risky you are and and what what you can, uh, what you can borrow, and you know they tend to look at the the ham analysis. But from your experience as a as a broker, what difference can it make for someone that has more control of their you know their living expenses and their day to day expenses, including those frivolous things from a from a lending point of view?
1: Yeah, so I mean, there's the obvious. Firstly, if you put it's common for lenders to ask for uh, credit card statements or to look online and see what your balance is mm-hmm. and if they see that you're either carrying a balance on your credit card or that your current credit card balance is 4 grand and you're trying to tell them you spend 3 grand a month they know you're bullshitting yeah. and they want to ask for the statement if they see all the transactions going through your bank account and and there was a time in 2017 2018 where almost all banks were saying i want we want three months transactions through every every uh uh, account you've got and then they would say okay you're spending this much you can't tell us that you're spending this much you're spending this much and Mm so a typical conversation with so many people i've had this hundreds and hundreds of times i'll say so how much do you spend every month and they'll go oh well there's the electric and there's the gas and there's the phones and then and they do a bottom-up budget and the bottom-up items and and including groceries let's say they come to two grand and they estimate that the the discretionary stuff is a percentage of that, so maybe it's twenty four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and they say their spending is twenty four hundred, and we go, well, that's interesting because hem for you is three grand. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at your credit card statements. How much do you normally spend on your credit card? Oh, it's four grand a month. Well, then you're yeah. spending four grand a month. Yeah. Where's so what's the, where is yeah. the rest of it? I mean, I know,
0: I know you're um, you had a career as a mathematics guru, but uh, it doesn't take a mathematics degree to understand that.
1: Exactly right. And so you can't very well. And, and I used to, you know, back in the day before we used to collect lots of statements, I would always say to people, how much do you earn? How much do you save? You're spending everything else. Mm. And that figure is way more than him. Mm. And also the, the, the second question is then, well, how much do you save? And then when do you dip into your savings? And people always say, oh, I dip into my savings at Christmas, holidays, and when the car rego's due. So you're not even saving all of what you say you're saving, which means you're actually spending even more than you first thought, which is way more than him. So almost everyone spends more than him when they're uh, uh, going through normal life. Whereas when you go through the fast and slow system, we encourage people to spend less than him or about him. But on average, we want, you know, spend half your income, put the other half towards property and everything else. But let's say HEM is 40% of your income. That means that there's another 10% that you can put aside for holidays and cars and other things. So put it aside. And then it goes down as savings. And a bank will see that as savings because it's going into a savings account. They won't rationalize that that you'll spend it later because the truth is if interest rates jumped, you wouldn't spend it later. You'd have to mm. do it. But yes. now your expenditure is completely controlled and it's pretty close to HEM. Mm. Yeah, interesting.
0: So in terms of kind of tying as best a bow as you can on it, and of course, go and buy the book "Spending Fast and Slow" Spending by Maxwell. I don't
1: know if they recorded as well, but uh, but yeah, there you Spending go. go. Spending fast and slow available in all good bookstores and and big W. I as used I'm to sure. love
0: um Sean McAuliffe Came out with a book, and he said, "Available in all good bookstores, and even that awful one in Launceston." yeah (laughs) so you'll be able to find that book everywhere big w uh you know
1: all the all the uh, the importantly for anyone listening to your podcast there's a free link on our website to get a free copy literally just pay the postage and and you'll get you'll get a copy of the free a book for free let, let their friends and family go and buy the copy in big w but but for your listeners please if you can um jump in i'm happy i i i'm i'm comfortable with enough with money that i'm not trying to make a fortune off of book sales i'm desperately trying to educate people into into finding a better way and having more confidence with money not just you know knowing where you stand there's very yes. few listeners i'd imagine my wife and i can i could tell you precisely the entirety of 2024 what my wife and i's variable spending will be right precisely to the dollar i I can't tell you what our fixed expenses are going to be because we'll get different electric bills and things will go up and i can't tell you what those things are going to be i've got an estimate for them Mm. but i know precisely what our variable spending is going to be and most people can't do that
0: yes and if you can't do that in the show notes i will certainly put a link to that book and thank you for being so gracious um, for for offering that out to people um, so in, in the best way that you can what's the what's the best way to close this 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 podcast you know there's there's obviously a lot of material in that book and you've clearly researched it a lot you're clearly so hyper passionate about it and i think when passionate people work on something that's altruistic like this the world benefits but What can you leave us with, Max, that we can take, you know, um, this normally comes out on a Wednesday. I don't know, maybe it's Thursday night shopping tomorrow and we're getting a little bit itchy. You know, What what can you give us that's going to help us in the short term?
1: The, 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 The very first thing is if you're using a credit card now, stop. It is not your friend. It is not helping you. It is hindering you. Please stop using the credit card. If you have one and you need one for travel or anything else, Put it in a drawer, leave it at home, and then start to then manage money in a better way. That's the first thing. Second thing is stop getting access to your pay. Like put it somewhere else. Start spending from a different bank. And once you get in the habit of going, oh, i got this much every week to spend, and that covers groceries and other things, and this much every month to spend, and that covers everything else, then it's much easier to control what you're doing um and you'll make much more thoughtful decisions about your spending when you know you've got money landing on the first of it every month and i don't care when people are paid even people are paid monthly in the middle of the month i say no, no 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 the month's money comes on the first why because if i ask you what's happening in february or what's happening in march you can tell me everything the events that you've been invited to whose birthdays happening what's happening and so if you know those things are happening then you know the money needs to be used for that purpose. I mean, if nothing's happening, then blow it on the Louis Vuitton bag or blow it on you know, the new iPhone or whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Um, but you can't do that in the middle of the month. And there's a risk that you spend the money first and then need to spend it again. Mm. And unfortunately, money is not something you can spend the same money more than once, uh, not without taking away from your future. And your future self will be so grateful to you that you controlled your spending you can always control it at a higher level you can always ratchet it up later but the strict firstly is can you 100 percent control it once you can do that and then you can build your passive income get out of the workforce or do what i do which is go fuck it i'm not what am i going to do retire what 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 <laughs> it's like what do you want to do i always ask people the question now and they go oh, i want to retire by the time i'm 50 i go excellent what do you want to do when you retire and they go oh i don't really know yeah um, i just didn't want to work I didn't want to work. I said, we've, all got, we've all had jobs that we've hated. But the question is, what do you want to do? And for me, what I want to do is is continue working to help people. You know, the way I do mortgage broking is not really mortgage broking. It's, it's more like, you know, long term plan counseling kind of therapy sessions um, and trying to help people get ahead. That's really what I want to do for the rest of my life, because I love it. Um, and so if any of you listeners have got any benefit from that, then I'd be absolutely delighted. And uh, and you've, you've been sitting watching me with a smile on my face the entire time we're, walk, we're, we're talking <laughs> because that's, you know, I, I genuinely love what I do. And, and I don't have to work if I don't want to, but I choose to because it's fun and I can help people. And I like that.
0: Well, I, I can't say... Without being gracious enough that we appreciate your time, and I'm sure people will get stuff out of that. I've got a lot of notes, and you know, let's be honest, a lot of terrible behaviours that I'm going to race out to unwind pronto and get a copy of that book uh on on the house plus postage. So, thank you very much, Max. It's been an absolute pleasure. Having I, you
1: thanks on. so much for having me. I've had, I've had an absolute blast. I will enjoy the rest of my weekend. <clears throat> and if you ever want to talk about other stuff, just let me know. There's a, a there's a whole other book that I published that uh, that uh, didn't get promoted as as heavily. So uh, um, there's lots of stuff that I'd love to share with your your listeners whenever whenever you think they might be ready.
0: We'd love to have you back. Absolutely, we'll book it in. Cheers, Max. Lovely. Thanks so much. <laughs> Cheers, Mike. Cheers. Bye bye.